listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. used to always say and you hear people say it that you know dietitians tell you if it tastes good spit it out but that's actually not what we're what we're about we just have that reputation um, I am very very fortunate that my ministry and my job overlap I every day get to use my job to do my ministry and um, not everybody's that fortunate and what I typically do, what my typical day is right now, is I am a clinical dietitian, which means that I work with inpatients in the hospital. My particular calling for the inpatients is with oncology patients. My goal is to make their quality of life as good as it can be or to help them improve their nutritional status, which helps improve their response to their treatment. But as far as, I, I do have other patients, and I do, I've, I've done a lot of different things. I've been a dietitian for 27 years. I have taught at three universities, worked at three hospitals. I've done inpatients like I do now. I've seen outpatients. I've done classes out at plants on cholesterol and weight loss. I've done adult classes. I worked for, I don't know, how long was it, John? Because John used to make dinner every Tuesday night. I did a child weight loss program for two or three years that we, we, we met with children that were, you know, at, when I was age eight, I weighed 50 pounds. The children in our program who were age eight weighed 150 pounds. So, you know, working with overweight children, uh, worked with the health department in Oklahoma, so we worked with maternity patients and children with growth problems. So, I mean, I've done a little bit of everything. I even, I was the manager for a long time at a hospital that made sure we got out 1,500 patient meals every day. So, you know, you name it, I've done a little bit of it. Um, but my goal for most people is, is I don't expect anybody to make major changes about their lifestyle or their diet or their exercise overnight. What my goal is is to help you see that there are some things that you do now which are perfectly fine to keep, and we want to try to keep as many things the same as we can because the, the less we change, the more likely you're going to be successful at it. If we just go in and say, well, just forget everything you've ever done, and let's do it this way. Well, you know, that's going to only last as long as you're scared to death that you're going to die. And when you stop being scared to death you're going to die and you realize you're going to live, you start creeping all of that back in. So what we try to show people is, is that you need to make incremental slow changes in what you do. You never set yourself the goal of doing everything overnight. That's like saying, I'm going to go in and uh, we're going to remodel the whole house in the next month. We're just not going to happen, folks. So what I want to do through working with you with the church is to try to help you see that there are things we can do. And I don't want you to think that I never eat cookies or I never eat ice cream or I don't like french fries or anything like that. That's not true. I actually don't come from a skinny family. I have to work at it. 
John will tell you when we got married, the aisle of the store that called to me was the cookie aisle. If I went to the store, it whispered, come, buy me, take me home, I'm lonely. You know, and so you just learn over time to try to get away from that. John can, John can assure you we don't eat alfalfa sprouts and tofu. I don't think I've ever served those at the house. And he's lived 26 years with me, so he's survived. But we're going to talk nutrition, whether people realize it or not, is actually fairly new science in comparison to everyone else. It really is not something that has developed but over the last 100 years or so. So if you look back at what society and how we looked at eating 100 years ago, that was been my dad, my dad who was 90. It would have been around when he was being born with a child. Back then it was largely an agrarian society. That means that many people grew or raised their own food. They cooked everything from scratch. They didn't know what processed foods were. There were very few restaurants. You know, you didn't go out to eat. That was something traveling people did or single working men maybe living in a boarding house. There was no concern about quality of the diet. They could care less how much bacon you ate. It was the focus was on the quantity, having enough food to eat. Um, it's very common to have vitamin deficiencies back then. In fact, that's during the time that the government started fortifying uh, milk and cereals and breads with vitamins and minerals because the, the diet had gotten so deficient in those. There were no WIC programs. There was no food stamps. There was no school lunch. My father remembers that he, he was considered rich because he lived in the country. And even though his, his lunch for school might be a cold biscuit or a leftover sweet potato, that would be what he had to bring for lunch. Um, he always had a pocket full of walnuts or peanuts or pecans that grew on their farm. So the other children who lived in town and didn't have that thought that was just amazing, that he always had something to snack on. He wasn't hungry. Um, so basically back then, if your family didn't take care of you, you were going to end up in a poorhouse or something like that or an orphanage, and you basically ate to live. That was what you did. Now let's flash forward 50 years, okay, when I was a child in the early 60s, most families sat down and ate dinner together. We had more availability of food, we were more fluent, so we thought about eating a little bit differently. Now what's interesting about sitting down and eating together is that the parents knew what their children were eating, okay, including their snacks. I did not just go to the kitchen and get myself a snack. My mother would have asked me, what in the world did I think I was doing, you know? She, her answer was, why are you hanging in the refrigerator? Close the refrigerator. You're letting all the cold air out. You'd have thought it was an ice box like she had when she was a kid and it was going to melt. Um, we drank milk, three meals a day. We drank water. Kool-Aid was really a treat. We only got, now some of you may have been, had much nicer parents than mine, but my mother was a nurse, so we didn't get Cokes and stuff unless we were still sick. How many remember having milk recess at school? Going at 10 in the morning and having and being served a carton of milk, and before you could go out and play, you had to drink your milk, or the cafeteria lady called your mom and dad. If she saw you, throw it away. You had it, and I thought it was really neat when my friends got to bring chocolate powder or strawberry powder to put in their milk. We didn't have it in bags. It was in cartons, and you could drink your milk. I didn't get to do that very often, but, you know, that was really special. We did have fast food restaurants. I lived in a small town 30 miles away. There was a McDonald's. We didn't get to go there very often because my mother would always say we can go home and eat a sandwich. Uh, there were nice restaurants. I do remember when I was very young going after church on Sunday out to eat before the last two children were born. Then there was five of us. It was a little bit more expensive to take five children out to eat. 
but you did go out, but it just was not as frequent. People weren't just running through McDonald's, going and picking up Kentucky Fried or going out to eat. We had convenience foods. There were cake mixes, you know, there was baby food. There were Mexican TV dinners, you know, and all of those kind of stuff. We did have that. Many children were expected to clean their plate. Whoever got told that there were starving children in China and you needed to eat your food? Okay. I went to friends' houses and was shocked that they were told stuff like that because my mother didn't make you clean your plate. She said we had to try some of everything on our plate. And then when that was gone, when we had tried everything, we had two choices. My mother never cooked another meal for you. She did not care what you wanted to eat. This was the meal. If you had not eaten, if you ate your little bit of everything that she said you had to eat, you could either make a bowl of cereal, and there were no children's cereal in my house. There weren't very many children's cereals back then. There was not an aisle of, of cereal in the grocery store. But, you know, there were bran flakes and corn flakes in my house, okay? The other option was you could make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That was it. If you don't like what mom cooked and you've eaten some of everything, that's it. We still had P.E. Think about how many schools don't have P.E. now. They're too busy for P.E. or they don't make you take P.E. in high school and stuff like that. So there was a lot, um, you know, we still went to P.E. Uh, there weren't as many television shows and stations. We didn't have the computers, so play was much more outside, much more active. You were out riding your bike. Um, there were no snack machines in the schools. There were no uh, vending machines of any kind. There was not a choice on the menu. You remember that? And how many of you remember basic four? Eat the basic four food groups. Who remembers that? Okay. We were told, you know, if you ate the basic four, two servings of milk, two to four servings of fruits and vegetables, two servings of meat, and four grains, which is about 1,000 calories, if you don't add anything to it, then we were going to be fine. We were going to get all our vitamins and minerals. That's all we were worried about. They could not care less that there was a can of bacon grease sitting on the back of the stove that was used to season your vegetables and cook things, cook eggs. Did anybody else have that metal can of bacon grease on the back of the stove? Yeah. They didn't care. All they cared about was that you, you know, got the basic four in. Once you got the basic four, we were good to go. Didn't matter. Okay. So how about now, before we flash up the next one, what's, what's different now? Tell me what's different. Hmm? Okay. Not enough nutrition, too much fast food. Okay, too much fast food. How many people think they eat, have fast food at least three times a week? Okay, I'm not going to ask you to say do you get it five, seven, whatever, at least three times a week. Okay, what else is different? What do we do different than now? now? Think about 50 years ago. Think about now. What's different? We put, every, we put everything in the microwave. That's everything we, we buy, get out of the freezer, throw in the microwave, we stand for about five minutes, and then we... Okay. So everything, a lot more processed, quick foods. Okay. Lack of exercise. Lack of exercise. You know, if we all took the same approach to praise and worship that Pastor P does, we'd get our aerobic exercise in on Wednesday night. <laughs> we'd just go with that. What else? What else is different? Too many options for entertainment. Too many options for entertainment, and it's the very sedentary entertainment. Okay. Flash up the next one, okay? Most families do not consistently sit down and eat together. So kids are eating whatever, you know, somebody's running here, there, whatever. 
lots of fast food and dining out, many more processed foods, even if we're preparing at home, portion sizes are larger, okay? Part of that's by going out to eat. What's the average portion size of meat at lunchtime in a restaurant, do you think? Six to eight ounces. At supper time, dinner time, it's eight to ten. Do you know how many ounces of meat a man needs just typically to get protein at the most? Six at the most, okay? That means that lunch meal would have given you more than that. But a lot of people eat, yeah, six, 16 at a meal. So right there, yeah, right there, you can see that our idea of portions is so much larger. larger. How many children go out and get an adult-sized portion of food? Okay. You know, they're not, they don't eat, you know, the kid's meal after they're about six. You know, they're getting an adult-sized portion which would be fine if they were really doing a lot of exercise, but what do most of our kids do? Watch TV, play on the computer, a lot less active play, you know, those kinds of things. Um, they have a lot more homework. There is, a gr- there is a real drive by the pediatricians nationally to try to have homework limited for children because they feel like the number of hours that children have to spend on homework is a large portion, part of the obesity we're seeing in children. Children get, it takes all evening just to get their homework done at eight years old. So I mean, we, we don't have time to go out and play. And one of the things that was with this child weight loss program we did was that the children, children need a break. Their mind needs a break from school, was that they had to go out and spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes, or they, or they had to, if they were going to, they, they got rewarded with computer or television time by exercising. So that if they wanted to watch TV, they might have to do it while jumping rope, or walking in place, or riding the family exercise bike, or they might get computer time if they went out on the driveway for 20 minutes and played basketball. But the, you had to make them put exercise back into their, into their uh, lifestyle because they just didn't do it. We do now focus a lot more on what is the beneficial or the negative things about foods. You know, you, you're bombarded with that. It is everywhere. You know, now I'm not saying all that information is correct, but you're still bombarded with information about this is good for you, that's bad for you, what's in the food, everything. But the difference is from 100 years ago, they ate to live. We seem to live to eat. Okay. And here in the South, we could be the you know, poster children for living to eat. We cannot do anything unless a meal's being served. You know, heaven forbid. You know, no, we can't just have drinks and coffee, you know, or something. No, no, no. We've got to have food. And it's just it's just amazing how we've kind of turned that into that. And so, you know, if you think about that, it's just unbelievable. Now, would you be surprised to know? that the majority of the U.S. population is malnourished, okay? Because even though we think about it, and I know better, the first thing that comes in your mind when you think malnourished is those people sitting with the Ethiop- in Ethiopia with a little bo- empty bowl, you know, in the bloated stomachs or whatever. But that's not what malnutrition is, okay? Malnutrition is the insufficient, not enough, excessive okay, which we're really good at, are imbalanced consumption of nutrients. 
So right there, the U.S. population has a huge obesity problem, and the percentage is growing. So right there, all those people are malnourished. Okay? You do not have to look like a concentration camp victim to be malnourished. Okay? U.S. teenagers, okay, says an imbalanced or insufficient. U.S. teenagers, on average, are deficient in at least two vitamins and minerals. At least. Most commonly is vitamin A and iron. Those are the things that are most common. Calcium's not too far behind. Nobody used to ever be considered deficient of vitamin D. Okay? Vitamin D we get from the sunshine, folks. Okay, Nobody was ever deficient of vitamin D. Are there any women in here who have been diagnosed as being vitamin D deficient? Okay, We don't spend time outside. Okay, And we don't drink milk and stuff which fortify with vitamin D, which people used to do more and stuff. So, you know, we're starting to see some of these things. It's kind of ridiculous, you know. But I'll have to be honest and tell you, I remember a time in my life that a Coke... And a package of powdered donuts was a great snack on my way to pet squad practice. You know, that's fine. I can remember when a Coke and a bag of barbecue potato chips might take the place of lunch, okay? And it's amazing I did not die. Our body amazingly adapts. So we walk around, all of us, looking like we're fine. But really, for many of us, we're malnourished. And that just means that we just don't have the balance of everything we need. And in fact, 99% of the children in this country are missing at least one vitamin or mineral that, they're, that they are getting enough of. So, you know, what's the answer? Should we all automatically take vitamin supplements? There are a lot of pediatricians that would say for children that, yes, we ought to just go ahead and do that. But they'll admit that even though they may be telling you to do that, that if we just ate a balanced diet or a healthy diet, we'd get everything we needed, okay? I think they've given up. They're like, it's not going to happen. Just give them a vitamin supplement, okay? You know, I have the nephews who don't eat anything green, you know, and I'm just like, you know, they come to visit and stay with Aunt Nisa, and I want to, like, bang my head against the wall because, you know, it's like, what can I do to get this child to eat a vegetable, which is what we did. We'll talk about that a little bit, about what you've done to try to get your kids to eat something, and that we had to reteach children in this weight loss program, they did not, vegetables were unheard of in their life. Vegetables? You want me to eat a vegetable? You know? That'd be like saying, I want you to jump off a cliff or something. Um, something you do need to keep in mind is, is in the last 30 years, we have discovered vitamins and minerals we did not know existed. We believe there are still some out there that we don't know about. So if you just live off of vitamin supplements, you're going to miss them. You're going to miss them. So we know that there's some out there that just are not identified of what things that we really need because we keep discovering them all the time. The other thing you need to keep in mind is vitamin supplements are not drugs, so they are very poorly regulated. The Food and Drug Administration regulates drugs. They don't regu regulate supplements and vitamin supplements very well at all. So they can make all kinds of claims and they can contain all kinds of things and they're not going to be real well regulated. And you think, oh, it's a vitamin, it's fine. It's really not a very, it's not well regulated at all. They can make lots of claims and stuff. Now I tell people, if you're going to take vitamins, then your best and safest thing is just to take a multivitamin and mineral rather than tons of individual little vitamins. That's when you can really get into trouble, unless it's for a specific problem. But it's just not out there. So the question is, is what's healthy? Okay. Would any of you choose to have a disease? 
Is there anybody out there that would say, you know, oh, give me diabetes. I'd like diabetes, please, you know, or I would like heart disease, or I'd like colon cancer. Is anybody going to do that? No. No. We'd be crazy, okay? But we choose to be malnourished, okay? We choose. What we eat is a choice. Very few of us only have this limited group of foods that we're allowed to buy, right? We, have, we can go to the grocery store, and there's all kinds of food, and we can choose to buy it and eat it if we want to. But we choose to be malnourished because we choose not to eat those foods. But you know what's worse? Is we're choosing it for our families, okay? Because we all know children learn what they see, okay? We know that your lifelong eating habits are largely set by by doing research, um, by the time you are age two. So that after age two, it takes a lot of relearning to teach somebody to eat something they were not taught to eat as an infant and an early child. So if you don't teach your child to eat vegetables or fruits or things like that when they drink milk or whatever when they're younger, it's going to be an uphill battle to teach it later. The other thing we know that happens is that we start developing plaques in our heart as early as age two. So that our diet that we've developed the habits for is already set, but it's also hurting us at the same time. There was an article in the paper recently that says by 2050, a third of all people are going to have adult onset diabetes. And what's scary about that? is that that's a largely preventable disease. If you try to be careful about your eating, exercise, try to keep, not, don't, you don't have to weigh what you weighed when you were 18, but try to kind of keep your weight under control. That can largely be prevented or delayed. But a third of the population in the next 40 years will have diabetes, unless we do something drastic. Now, over the years, there's been all kinds of guidelines given to us to help us you know, uh, uh, know what to eat. There, you get all of these. Just run, you see them, you recognize them. The dietary guidelines, the food pyramid, five a day, you know, the Heart Association's guidelines, the Medical Association. Now we've got the DASH diet. That's particularly for high blood pressure, if you hadn't heard of that one. Then let's add in Sugar Busters, Dr. Atkins, you know, the Zone diet, the blood type diet, you know, any, you name all of those. The rotation diet, you know. Are you confused yet? Yeah, I am, and I do this every day, okay? I have to stop and look at all of this stuff sometimes. So first thing I want to tell you is we don't want to think about diets. Diet is a four-letter word, okay? It's a bad word. It's a four-letter word where I was taught not to use four-letter words. We don't talk about diets. What we want to talk about is healthy eating. And what I want to tell you is that there is nothing, nothing, that I would personally, as a dietitian or a nutritionist, tell you that you can never eat again. Doesn't matter what's wrong with you. There is nothing that you can never eat again. The question is, is how much of it and how often? You know what? I, I eat ice cream. Do I eat a bowl of ice cream every night? No. But can I stop and get an ice cream cone or have ice cream or have cookies? Sure. You know, you know what, folks? We're about to enter the holidays. Everybody eats whatever they want on Thanksgiving Day or on Christmas Day, whether you have diabetes or heart problems or whatever. But, but 
the holidays, Christmas is not the six weeks from Thanksgiving to New Year's, okay? We'd like it to be, but it's not. We cannot eat continuously for six weeks. So keep in mind that what I tell you is there's two things I always tell people. There are no bad foods. There are only bad habits, okay? No bad food, only bad habits. The second is you can eat anything in moderation. So let's talk about real briefly, and I will give you a chance to answer questions and stuff, ask questions is, what do we call a healthy diet? Okay? The first thing is to eat a variety of foods. Okay? A variety of foods is not barbecue potato chips, sour cream potato chips, and regular potato chips. Okay? That's saying, you know, I go to the produce market and I try some fruits or vegetables I've never tried before. That's eat a variety of foods. Okay? Um, we also need to try to have foods from different food groups. The second thing that all these guidelines are trying to tell you is, and people don't, this is a really hard one for a lot of people, is we need to increase the amount of fruits and vegetables in our diet to seven servings a day. Okay? Does anybody have any creative ways they've added fruits or vegetables to their diet? Making a smoothie. Okay, so making a smoothie. Okay, especially if you want something quick on the go that you can run to. Uh, we keep uh, vegetables and uh, fruit all cut up in bags and kept in the refrigerator. Right, so it's ready to go. You don't have to stop and do anything with it. You know how I got kids to eat spinach in my weight loss class? They, I told them I didn't lie to them. I didn't lie, ever lie to them. Uh, we made turkey wraps. They thought we were putting lettuce in it. We put spinach in it. So then they, I was like, well, did you like them? Oh, they were great. They were great. Guess what? You just ate spinach. Okay. We made a veggie sandwich, which I was really surprised. They loved this veggie sandwich. They thought it was the best thing next to sliced bread or whatever. thought it was great. But, you know, there's all kinds of ways. And, and one of the things that's going to we'll have out pretty soon is we're going to have some nutrition blurbs that are going to come out. And one of the first ones is, I don't know, do you know when it's going to come out, Philip, that I sent to Nancy? By this Sunday. And one of the things is that it's this nutrition blurb is 10 ways to try to add more fruits, vegetables, and dairy foods to your diet. Okay. And just talks about things that you can do for that. Okay. We need to eat less meat. Okay. The average, let's say, man only needs 50 or 60 grams of protein a day. Now, we get protein from things besides meat. But if all we were going to do was get it from meat, then that's only like 7 ounces of meat. Okay. And for women, probably 30 to, you know, I mean, 40, I mean, maybe 40 grams of protein. We don't really need that much. You have to really be doing something major to need a whole lot of protein, okay? We need to eat more fish. Unfortunately, it's not the fish we eat here in South Louisiana because it's not catfish. It is the omega-3 fish, which is like snapper, trout, halibut, which we don't eat, salmon, tuna, you know, which are not common fish that we eat. And we need to eat more dry beans. But keep in mind, try to eat those dry beans without pouring bacon fat and pork sausage fat leaking out and stuff like that. Season them with lean ham or smoked pork chop or something instead. Okay. Um, three servings of whole grain foods a day. Okay. That does not mean that you have to eat all brown rice if you don't like brown rice or that you have to eat all, you know, uh, sweet potatoes instead of white potatoes or something. 
A whole grain, an easy way to get a whole grain is to say, okay, I'm going to either, either toast at breakfast or my, my sandwich at lunch, I'll put it on whole grain. They make a great double fiber whole grain bread. So, boy, you eat two servings of that and you've gotten this wonderful, you know, serving. Did you know popcorn's a whole grain? So, you know, having a snack of popcorn, throwing some granola in your yogurt or your smoothie or something in the morning or sprinkling some in your oatmeal. Yeah, without the butter on the popcorn. Lightly, now, lightly butter in moderation, okay, in moderation. If we would eat less processed foods, okay, meaning ready to eat, we would end up with less trans fats. Trans fat is when you take an oil, like vegetable oil, and you make it hard, like margarine, okay? And so we have found that trans fat, which is like a, a shortening is a trans fat, stick butter is a trans fat, where you've made, we've artificially made it hard. Those are worse for you than animal fat, which we used to think was the worst. We used to tell you, oh, it's the, it's the bacon fat and the, you know, the marble meats. Now, those are still not good for you, but the trans fats are worse. So now they're trying to make hardened margarine with other things so it's not trans fat. But if you get away from processed foods, you'll get away from some of that. You'll also get away from a lot of the sodium. We used to think that only about a fourth of the people's blood pressure went up when they ate sodium, which is in salt. We now know it's much higher, much higher than that. Um, and we want to eat more of the functional foods. And we're just going to flash this up. We're not going to go into that. But functional foods are foods that have some other bit benefit besides trying to give you vitamins and minerals. That's things like being told that there's foods that reduce your chance of cholesterol and heart disease, like almonds and avocados and beans and broccoli. I think it's on the next the next little slide, if we come up, yeah. Things like uh, eating walnuts and salmon or shrimp. Did you know shrimp helps reduce your risk of stroke? Okay. Um, things that help reduce blood pressure, milk, avocado, garlic. Uh, tomatoes are very good in preventing prostate cancer. So we're not eating those to get the vitamins. We're getting, eating them because they have some very specific function that helps us prevent some disease. Okay. What we've got to do is we have got to stop looking for a magic bullet. People would always love for me to give the magic wand. I'll wave the magic wand and ta-da, you don't have diabetes anymore or you're thin. And we're always looking for a magic bullet and we're chasing every magic bullet out there. And all the, any diet that comes out, I always tell if I would just give up talking about healthy stuff and would make up the craziest, most difficult diet there is to follow and write a book, I would make a million dollars, okay? Because we want something really tough that we do for a short period of time. What happens if you go on a diet? What does that imply? I'm going to go off the diet, okay? So we don't want diets. We want to change how we eat, okay? And you have to kind of do it slowly. People go out and they think, oh, you know, I'm going to go out and get a salad. How many calories are in a taco salad, you think? Thousand? Yeah, 800 to 1,000, depending. 40 grams of fat, something like that. Okay. Yeah. You know, we don't really have, we don't have a lot of excuses for not really knowing what's healthy or not healthy because 
lots of your fast food restaurants, many of your chain restaurants like Chili's or even P.F. Chang's, Piccadilly or whatever, if you go online, you can go in and before you go to the restaurant, you can look at the nutrition information and it'll tell you what's in it. Now, if you really want to enjoy your food, you may not want to do that, but, okay. Um, but, I mean, it just we just need to be more aware of what we're doing and try to gradually work ourselves away. And it might be to say, I'm not going to go get fast food three days a week. Maybe I want to try to cut that back to once a week. You know, could I bring lunch or something certain dumber days of the week? Um, other thing you got to keep in mind is there's, there's going to be unhealthy foods all around you, and you have got to get where you can just avoid them. And what I call the foods that you need to be really careful of are what we call red light foods. That's that food that when it is in your house, it doesn't matter where you is, where you are, it whispers to you to please come let it out of the can. My sister says that's honey roasted peanuts for her. You know, come get me out. I'm lonely in here. Yeah. Which is cookies. For me. You know, certain cookies, not every cookie. I don't want mushy cookies. I want crisp cookies. I'm very picky. What is flaxseed? What is flaxseed and what do you do with it? Flaxseed is, a, it is, a, 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 is a grain seed, just like you'd buy poppy seed or something like that. And people will just, you could sprinkle it into cereal or sprinkle it on like grits or oatmeal or something. You can buy flaxseed bread, especially if you go someplace like Whole Foods or somewhere like that where they do a whole lot more of the whole grains. But it's just another seed grain just like that that you eat that has a lot of benefits for you. Yeah, peanut that peanut butter. Walmart has a peanut butter with black seed. So hold on a second. We'll get. We're going to do questions here real quick. Um, other thing to keep in mind is a lot of people say they can't cook. They don't have time to cook a meal. Okay. Now my specialty is I can cook dinner in thirty minutes or less. Okay. So what I want you to tell me is how are some ways you what things you have you done to try to be able to make a quicker healthy meal at your house? What what things have y'all done? Crock pot. And you can even load it up the night before so you don't have to get it together in the morning. You just, when you clean up the kitchen one night, you load up the crock pot. The next morning when you leave, you plug it in. Okay? What else can you do? When you grill, do you grill? Who grills? Anybody grill? Okay. Why would you just grill one meal's worth of food? You don't use, you're not using the whole grill probably. You know, if you're going to be out there grilling, it takes just as long to grill three chicken breasts as it does to grill six chicken breasts or to, you know, whatever. You know, then it, then all it is is throwing a potato in the microwave or doing some vegetables to go with it. You have to get away from thinking that the food, that the meal has to be gourmet. You know, every meal we eat does not have to be gourmet, okay? It needs to be food. It needs to be fuel. That's what food is. It's fuel. And... Until we get where we don't think of food that way, we're going to be hung up with, oh, it has to be wonderful, it has to be wonderful. The other thing we have to think about is if we want to change our diets and we want to change our exercise and all that, we have to think about why we want to do it. If you set yourself the goal to do this purely so you can fit into certain size dress, you know what? Ain't happening. Okay? It's not going to happen. You need to set yourself some realistic goal. First of all, you, if, you want, if you're trying to lose weight, then it should be, I'm going to lose five pounds, okay? Not that I've got to lose 50. I want to lose five pounds in the next month. 
if your goal is that I want to have more energy to play with my grandkids, that's a realistic goal, okay? If my goal is I want to be able to go on vacation and we're going to be going to Colorado and I want to be able to go on some of the trails and not be gasping for breath at the end of the vacation, you know, trying to get there. That's a realistic goal, okay? If my goal is, is that, oh, I am never going to eat fast food again, not a realistic goal, okay? When you set yourself unrealistic goals, you set yourself up to fail. And once you fail, you figure, I'm, you know, it's like, okay, well, I blew that. Let's just forget that. Let's move on to something. We don't go back and just say, okay, well, I blew yesterday. Let me get back on doing what I want to do, you know, what I need to do. So set yourself something realistic, okay? Maybe that I'm going to do, you know, if you're not exercising now, don't say I'm going to do 30 minutes of exercise every day, folks. You might need to start with I'm going to do 15 minutes three times a week. When I have people come for weight loss who don't exercise, that's what we used to start with. Three times this week, I want you to go out and walk or do something, 10 or 15 minutes. Nobody can tell me they do not waste 10 or 15 minutes somewhere in their day. Whether it's, you, you, you waste it somewhere. You can't believe that nobody has 15 minutes. That's hard to believe. I also tell them if you get to the end, you get to the weekend and you haven't done your three times for the week, well, boy, I guess Saturday and Sunday you got three times to get in, don't you? Okay, so if you set yourself that goal that I'm going to do that, well, once you do 15 minutes, you'll find that, well, you know, I've got a few more minutes. I can I can walk another five minutes. I don't I don't have to be back to the house yet. That you'll be able to extend it. Okay. But the last and the most important reason to do this, the absolute most important reason to do this, is a verse out of First Corinthians. So it. 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Okay? It is a precious gift. We can waste it, or we can take care of it. That's our choice. I asked John to tell y'all something he told me the other day. He hadn't told me. John has diabetes. He doesn't mind, he'll, he doesn't mind telling you that. So before I let y'all ask me questions, and if you want to try to stump the dietitian, that's fine. You can do that too. So uh, around Christmas time, Denise made me an a appointment to uh, go get one of these checkups. You know, so John, you're 50-something years old. We need to get, you know, the whole checkup and see if there's anything wrong with you. So, you know, a couple weeks later, I found out I've got diabetes. And it scared me because my grandmother died of diabetes. My mother has diabetes. we got a whole family full of diabetic people. And, it, uh, and I, a few years ago, we watched a friend who didn't care for her diabetes die early. I think she died at 40. And so I got scared. I said, whoa, well, Denise, all this stuff you've been telling me, tell me again. So I really <laughs> paid it, you know, 25 years of her telling me all this stuff. I hadn't paid attention, hadn't done it. So um, I started exercising, and within uh, three months, I've lost like 28 pounds. I'm doing pretty good. And I guess I should have prayed first, right? I finally get around to praying after I had, you know, done my thing, and I'm going, well, God, what, you know, what's, what's the deal? God, why, why do I get diabetes? You know, I've, 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 I'm better. 
you know, you, you made me a minister a few years ago, and now all of a sudden I'm getting diabetes. And he says, uh, John, you surprised? You've been a glutton all your life. I said, a glutton? <laughs> a glutton is, you know, the seven deadly sins that I learned in the first grade, you know. And so now for 40 years, I've been a glutton and had absolutely no idea. It's like the devil made me, helped me do it and took it from me. I'm a glutton. I'm a lifelong glutton. So now that I realize I'm in sin and have been in sin a long time, that's just another reason to get on the program or to start eating right or start exercising right and you know, take care of my body. Yeah. A glutton, huh? So now's your chance to ask any questions. Another thing, if you if we if you don't have a question or you don't want to ask, you know, with other people, feel free to just grab me sometime or to email me, denise.delphin at yahoo.com. Email me and I will email you back. And Delphin is D-E-L-P as in pink H E N. Okay. Everybody always puts F's in it and I's in it, but that's how it's spelled. And just email me anytime. I'll email you back. A couple of things. Uh, I'm a heart patient, and I have a cholesterol problem. But I was eating a lot of fruit. And, uh, and I had a blood test, and the nurse called me back. She said, what have you been eating? I said, I've been eating a lot of fruit. She said, well, you're triglycerides. So I went through the top. And it's affected my total cholesterol. I mean, my total cholesterol. And she said, well, you need to cut back on fruit. So sometimes fruit may be good for cancer, but it could be hurt you on another thing. One other question. I love... Uh, Fresh spinach. Mm -hmm. I like it in a salad or I like it on as a place of lettuce. Why is it so bad when you cook it and it tastes so good and does it have equal value? Well, when you cook it, you're releasing a lot of the sulfur out of it. And so that makes it have a stronger taste. And that's why a lot of people don't like it cooked because it's got that strong sulfur taste. The less cooked, the less processed your food is, the more vitamins it will have. So, yes, there are more vitamins in your raw spinach salad than there are in your cooked. So if you're going to cook it, it's not that you can't cook it, but you want to cook it the least amount of time. Like you might, you could stir fry it for about three minutes, you know, which is just barely wilts it or in a microwave if you want it cooked, rather than, you know, we used to eat that stuff that was boiled forever, you know, like boiled to death or whatever. The more you do that, the more the, all the, a lot of your vitamins are soluble in water. So if you put that spinach in water, it's going to leak all those vitamins out. And unless you're going to drink the water, you're going to lose the vitamins. So the less processed, is, is the fresher, the rawer, the less processed it is, the more the vitamins will be there. Uh, I'm a diabetic, and uh, I love sweets and coffee. I drink a lot of co coffee. Is that bad for me? Well, coffee we've actually found is beneficial for certain things. It actually helps certain of our, our good cholesterol it actually, we found that caffeine is beneficial to weight loss. Where you have to worry about with coffee is if it, if you have a problem with like an abnormal heart rhythm or if you've got really a lot of high blood pressure, you could because caffeine tightens your blood vessel, okay? It's like what we call a vasoconstrictor. It's going to tighten that blood vessel. So if you've got high blood pressure and you tighten your blood vessel down, what's going to happen to your blood pressure? It's going to go up. So caffeine, if you've got high blood pressure or heart pumps, is where you get into the issue, not your diabetes. The di with diabetes, with sweets, we now know that it's not whether you get sugar so much. 
It is the total carbohydrates you take in in a day, but the problem is, is the, the, the more processed the sugar is, the quicker it gets into your bloodstream. And then that overpowers your medicine's ability to control it. So that's why whole grain things for diabetics, they can have lots of carbohydrate, like 50% of their diet can be starches. But it's that the whole grain things take longer to digest, they get in their blood slower, their, ride, their blood sugar grows up slower and it comes down slower. It gives their, chance, blood, their medicine a chance to work. Sugar, it just shoots it way up. And then your medicine takes forever to creep it back down. And when it's high, creeping down like that is when it hurts your eyes and your heart and your kidneys. Um, five years ago, I started throwing blood clots and they found that I have a rare blood disorder. Mm -hmm. I've thrown 13 blood clots actually the last 11 within the last two and a half years on Coumadin mm -hmm. and they started me on Coumadin and I was on three, seven, ten. Mm -hmm. I'm up to 20 milligrams a day and all okay long is supposed to monitor it every single week mm -hmm. and the last time I went in I thrown my last clot in April my 13th one diagnosed but they the hospital made me take 60 milligrams of Levinox injections in my mm -hmm. stomach every night on top of 20 milligrams of Coumadin. And the COAG clin clinic at Earl K refused to see me anymore because I had to start taking stomach shots and they're not um, set up to, to monitor, monitor that. So I've had to guess at the last, I haven't been to the doctor in three months. And right now if I cut myself with an envelope, I'll bleed out. But my blood levels on the Levinox injections and 20 milligrams of Coumadin together, 60 milligrams of Levinox are reading as though my body, the doctor even asked me, are you taking your, your Coumadin? And I raised my shirt and they saw all the bruises and he was in, the nurse was in shock. She said, we can't even see you anymore. And now I have no doctor and no monitorage and I'm trying to do, like I was told, no vitamin K, no green leafy stuffs mm -hmm. or no caffeine but then I was told if you take one portion of this one day it's okay as long as you turn around and have the same uh, right the next day so I don't even know what to do like without a doctor now to try to you know monitor my health well the the not being monitored is a dangerous thing so I guess my question would be um, is to try to find out if you could apply for and get like Medicaid where you I tell you, if you'll if you'll email me at your at my email, I'll try to ask some of the social workers and stuff at work that work with that with people that you know that you know, they fall in the, the they fall in the crack between Medicaid and insurance and see if they know of some you know know of people who will do monitoring. Set me down. They tell me because you're taking Lovinox, we won't even see you. And I showed them my folder where I've been going every week, every week, and my blood level. A normal person with no problems should be a two and a half to a three. They don't understand how I carried four children, much less one, because I was 35 when they discovered it. I was almost six years ago, and it's a miracle I'm still here, you know, but I'm a single mom, and I want to live long enough to see my other three children grow up, you know. Well, email, email me so I can try to get you some very specific information that's just for you and see if we can find somebody, help you find somebody. Uh, Changing the, the what is true is the, the if anybody else is on Coumadin, Coumadin is the blood thinner. It's a very common blood thinner. And vitamin K, which is in everything that we eat, 
helps clot our blood. So they're trying to match your Coumadin and your diet to each other. The foods that are very high in vitamin K are your dark green leafy things. So it's true that if you ate a half a cup of broccoli today and half a cup of spinach tomorrow and half a cup of cabbage the next day and a half a cup and on or is it just day after like two days doesn't matter well we usually try to tell people to try to keep the amount consistent meaning at least three or four times a week be having those yeah what is your opinion of taking fish oil to get you the omega fatty acids uh that's uh, it's very recommended by the um you know heart association and stuff we do know some research shows that you don't absorb that fish oil supplement quite as well as you do the fish oil out of the food, but it's still beneficial to you. You just don't get quite as much of it in the out of the tablet. So like most people take fish oil, they'll take it like three times a day, whereas you don't have to eat fish three times a day, you know, because you have to take a little bit more in order to absorb it. But, yes, it's, it actually is very recommended because most of us don't eat salmon and tuna every day. Hi, I've had um, hypothyroidism since I was six, and of course on daily symptom medicine. Um, I've just recently read that I need to lower my calories compared to the average person, mm -hmm. like 300 less. It all depends on how you, you, to know the exact number, you'd have to have some real special studies done. But even with your thyroid medicine, yes, most people who are hypothyroid do have to eat less. And so for them, what would be weight loss to somebody else is maintenance for them. You know, whereas one person could eat 1,800 and maintain, you may have to eat 1,500. Yes. Yes. Question, Ms. Denise. A lot of the stuff that you showed up there had milk, 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 milk. And um, you, you hear mixed things that you shouldn't drink milk because it's not good for you. And if you do... Do you do the full milk? Do you do the 2%? Do you do the 1% or the milky water, as I call skin milk? I mean, <laughs> Blue what, milk, as my father calls what it. Would you, what would you say to something like that? Well, we know that milk has more benefit than just building our bones like we used to think. We now know it affects your blood pressure and all kinds of things. So it is actually very beneficial. And if you're very lactose intolerant like I am, then you're going to either have to use some of the special lactate products or you'll have to, you know, take a calcium supplement. But doing the, uh, the milk is beneficial. What we do know is that after the age of two, you no longer need whole milk. You need whole milk until age two because it builds the brain and uh, spinal system. But after that, the lower fat, the better. If you don't normally, if you grew up drinking whole milk, then I tell you, then go to 2% milk. Once you're used to 2% milk, go to 1% milk. If you can get to 1% or skim, that's what you really want to be at. Okay. Uh, you said something earlier that uh, babies before the age of two uh, start get, getting plaque. What causes the plaque? Well, one is just that genetically in this country we're so predisposed to heart disease. Everybody focuses on cancer, but the number one killer in this country is heart disease. And... Um, it, we're just genetically predisposed, like uh, uh, African-Americans are predisposed to hypertension. Doesn't have anything to do with, you know, how they live their lifestyle. They're just predisposed to it. So that's one thing, just genetics is what's causing it. And then 
you know, we're not teaching them great eating habits either. Well, it's not the milk that they're getting. No, no, no. No, it's not the milk. Uh, second thing, I take a lot of vitamins. Is vitamins synthetic? I mean, are, are they real, real vitamins in the pills? Well, scientifically, vitamin C is vitamin C, okay? It's, it's a chemical structure. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Now, we know if you got it from certain things, you might get some other vitamins with it. But if you're using a, a vitamin that's actually, you know, extracted from the juice versus the vitamin that was made synthetically, it's no different what your body does with it. We were talking about milk products just a minute ago, and for those that are sensitive to it, can you tell us more about, like, soy products versus the milk products? The soy, you can do soy products. The problem with the soy products is they're really not as high in calcium and stuff, some of the things that you need. Um, there's some advantages to soy. There's also some disadvantages. You know, people use soy for menopause symptoms and stuff like that. But I was talking to one of our oncologists the other day, and she was saying, you know, people do that saying that that's safer than estrogen, lowers their risk of, uh, you know, with the cancers. But it doesn't. It does the exact same thing. So it's not any better for cancer risk than taking estrogen or something, maybe for blood clots. But the problem with the soy milks and stuff, they don't have the same nutrients. They really don't. They're just a, really a replacement to use. They don't, you know, rice milk, soy milk, all of those, they don't put all of the vitamins and stuff in them. You're missing out on a lot of that. They can, and they put some things. Well, they put some things, but they just don't put, you know, they just don't put everything in it. It's, the, it's up to the company. We any don't other, regulate that. Any other questions? Um, you said coffee. Mm -hmm. Coffee. Mm -hmm. People with high blood pressure. What's the safe amount of cup of coffees a day? Well, your cardiologist. Well, if you've got heart problems or high blood pressure, yeah, your doctor would probably say don't have more than a cup a day. So, well, you know what some people do? is they mix half regular and half decaf in the pot when they make it. They put half regular grounds and half decaf. Then they have two cups of coffee, but it's only one cup of caffeine. You know what I mean? And then they try to win, or they'll say, I'll have one cup of regular coffee at home, but when I get to work, I'm only having decaf or something. But it's one of those things you have to wean yourself off of, just like anything else. It takes most adults, and I, we, and I know we need to go because we kind of started and go, and feel free to email me, or feel free to leave if you need to leave. But um, most, for most adults, it takes about six weeks to make a dietary change and keep it. So, you know, you're not going to just overnight cold turkey caffeine and, it, you know, and like that or like the feeling that it gives you, the headache that you get and stuff like that. But it's one of those things that you have to continue it over time or try to get off of it. Just like people who have congestive heart failure and get off of salt. Well, you know what? They're not going to like salt-free food until you get off of it, and then everything tastes too salty. But it's, it's one of those things you have to gradually learn the changes, and you just have to keep plugging away at it, just like anything else. You know, We, we learn bad habits. We have to unlearn bad habits. We didn't get here overnight. We're not going to get away from it overnight and don't set yourself that goal like i said that's setting yourself up to fail
would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.